Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Messenger on C103. And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to Cork today. We've got Sadie and John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Anything you want to share with us, we always love to hear from you. You can send in texts and WhatsApps to 086. 086- to 103 103 and all of the newspapers today including a lot of the front pages of the newspapers picking up on what is now being called the miracle of Galway Bay and you know it struck me as I was going through the papers this morning reading all of the different reports on the rescue of those two young women yesterday how different the newspapers could have looked this morning if the rescue hadn't have been successful and the Irish Independent have a gorgeous photograph of uh, Ellen Glynn who was the youngest of the two paddleboarders yesterday. She was only uh, 17 in her hospital bed uh, with the ordeal is over but looking very relaxed, very comfortable and not looking like suffering any after effects from what happened yesterday. Ellen, as I say, only 17. She was out with her cousin Sarah Feeney who was 23 And they survived after spending 15 hours on the open sea after drifting off on Wednesday evening while they were out uh, paddle boarding. They initially saw and screamed at the rescue helicopter, but unfortunately it passed overhead and didn't spot them. Speaking from her hospital bed yesterday, young Ellen said, so happy, so thankful. She said, we kind of figured that when it was bright, when morning time came, that we would be seen easier and hopefully faster because she said during the night it went into complete darkness and she knew there was no hope of them being rescued while it was dark. She saw the helicopter. They could also see two boats in the distance. 
So they knew that there was people out searching for them. They were screaming, they were shouting, but unfortunately weren't picked up by the helicopter or they weren't spotted by the two boats. They're both from Cork City and they were found shortly before noon yesterday and they were found clinging to a boy which was connected to a lobster uh, pot and it was four kilometres south of Inish Ore, but it was actually 27 kilometres from where they had set off paddling, paddle boarding. So they had certainly travelled a great, great uh, distance. Now, the to me, um, Ellen said, and there's a lot of commentary in the papers today, she, she gave quite a lengthy interview to a lot of the papers. Uh, she said she never lost hope of being reunited with her family. She said she wasn't too scared and uh, she said they kind of figured out that, you know, once morning broke, we were going to be OK. But they clung on to each other and they stayed on the paddle boards. And I suppose the fact that they had each other must have helped uh, as well. But to me, the real heroes are the fishermen that found them. It was a gentleman by the name of Patrick Oliver and his son Morgan. And they actually said that the reason both the girls survived was the fact that they didn't panic, that that was the big one. Patrick um, Oliver, who said that um, the, they did the right thing by keeping a level head. They did the right thing for sure. That's the thing. If you keep your head clear and don't panic and honest to God don't panic is easier said than done but that's exactly what they did and they did have life jackets on as well which I think is going is another one that when there's a kind of a movie isn't there to be made in this particular story but the fact that they were wearing life jackets and I know a John Draper who's the divisional controller with the Valencia Coast Guard he was speaking yesterday and he said they managed to stay out of the water even though it was relatively warm uh, it, that also helped them, the fact that they were out of the water and they managed to hang on to each other, you know, a bit of body heat from each other. And that's another reason that they survived. So all of the papers, as I say today, picking up on the story that has now been dubbed the miracle of Galway Bay and their poor parents and their family and what they went through. In particular, I think it was Ellen, I think it was the youngest girl's mother who actually saw, you know, was with them down at the beach when they headed out and she could see them in the distance and suddenly, and she was kind of thinking, are they going a bit far out? And then suddenly they, you know, they disappeared from sight and it all happened so quickly. And, you know, the rescue started pretty fast. Then, of course, darkness fell and even though I know there was rescuers out, I think, for much of the night as well. But anyway... Regardless, it just is a really, really good news uh, story. And as I say, the miracle of Galway Bay, we could have been looking at the tragedy of Galway Bay and looking at a very, very different news story today. So so we welcome that. And another story that's very much picked up on the papers today and people that we are thinking about today are the residents of West Cork. Some of them have been forced to evacuate because of the heavy rain, which caused the flooding that we were talking about yesterday. A number of the papers picking up on that with their photographs attached. Several roads were left impassable yesterday including the N71 at Roscarbury and Connor and the R597 as between Roscarbury and Glandore. I'm sure that that road is still closed uh, today and these were after the incredible thunderstorms that brought really torrential rain. Somebody said yesterday it was of biblical proportions. It was the night before last between half two and half four in the morning. And a number of residents of Star Gardens in Roscarbury. Now they 
provide long-term accommodation for older people. They were actually forced to vacate during the flooding. An independent councillor, Paul Hayes, great man for the work he does in the area. Uh, he says the area has been very badly hit. He said in the Roscarbury area, a number of properties were flooded. Star Gardens only opened recently and a number of the apartments were flooded. A number of the ground level have been flooded and they're double checking to see if the residents need to be moved out if we need to try and find alternative accommodation for them. But he he did make the point that it's a fantastic community in West Cork and everybody is rallying around to make sure that everybody is looked after, particularly the most vulnerable. But between the damage to private property and the damage caused to the roads, the cost of the repairs could run into millions. Uh, Anything to do with resurfacing said Paul Hayes doesn't come cheap now they're now looking at hundreds of thousands if not millions and of course Senator Tim Lumbert who joined us on the programme yesterday our chat with him has picked up in some of the papers uh, today he spoke about the rain in the area he says it was a once in a 100 year thing now Cork County Council's Roads Department and the Fire Service staff were working hard from the early hours of yesterday morning to try to alleviate the flood flooding staff have also been been delivering sandbags to affected properties and actually we did get a press release in from Cork County Council um, and they you know they talk about the work that has been going on in the area but they say there is extensive damage to roads and property in the area and motorists and all road users are being advised to exercise extreme caution on the roadways that have been affected. Now while the floodwaters may have abated, road edges may have been washed away or been undermined so extreme care is necessary and as the cleanup of the damage continues the extent of the damage to the roads in the area is becoming clearer however they're saying it's too early at this stage to put an exact figure on the damage so just be careful if you're out and about I mean I saw some Facebook posts of roads that literally just disappeared I mean people went to bed on Wednesday night and woke up on Thursday morning and the road outside their houses had literally disappeared roads you couldn't actually drive on them they were so bad but I know the Cork County Council engineers were out really really uh, quickly assessing the uh, damage so just be careful mind yourself when you're out and about and as always if you're out and you come across an area let us know that we can pass on to other people just to warn other people to avoid particular stretches of uh, roads. And just staying in West Cork, very disappointed to hear that there was more vandalism last night in the Mizzen area. John Paul says the Barley Cove Skull area again. Somebody has contacted us though, didn't want to uh, speak on air, but uh, somebody saying that they cleaned up the area this morning. They even had to clean up human faeces. Dear God, what is wrong with people? They're at pains to point out that it's not locals, but it's not all tourists either. So I'm not quite sure who is responsible for all this uh, vandalism. It's just a minority who are ruining it, though, for all. uh, But they are affecting local summer businesses in the area. And now, especially when it comes to activity, sports and more. So that is just a real shame. People who've just got too much time on their hands and just this wanton vandalism it just it really has to stop people need to keep an eye out and report anything that you see 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. He is uh, just pointing out about the, when we were talking about the, the miracle of Galway Bay, as it's been dubbed in the rescue of those two girls who were drifted out to sea when they were paddle boarding. Just doesn't it show how dangerous the sea can be and how quickly, even for very competent swimmers and people very capable of sea sports and water sports, how very quickly you can get whipped out and blown out uh, to sea. James is making the, the point, why don't all life jackets have a flashing light attached to them? If those girls it would have been found a lot faster if they'd had a flashing light, because of course once it got dark, the girls themselves knew there, was, there wasn't a hope of them being spotted and that's why they held off and they, they were saying, we'll wait until day till daylight, even though I know there was people out searching overnight. But yeah, that's a, that's a really good suggestion, James. Some kind of a flashing light that as soon as, say, you hit the water, that the light starts to flash. Or when it gets dark, it starts to flash. And certainly, yeah, it would allow for more searching to go on then uh, overnight. And another listener says, when I was talking about that case and I was saying that the real heroes were the fishermen, the, the fisherman and his son who found them and they actually worked out with the way the winds were the day before. They, using their own expertise, the dad was able to work out what way he reckoned the paddle boards would have drifted, which was really, really clever of him. And of course, they headed to that area. I don't think there was anybody else searching in that area. Remember, it was 24 kilometres away from where they entered the water. Nobody was searching that far away. But because this fisherman knows the winds, knows the sea, knows how a boat or a paddleboard can drift and he headed to that area with his son and they managed to find the two girls clinging to the lobster pot. So to me, they are real heroes. And, and somebody else has pointed out, Patricia, another real hero yesterday, surely, is the 16-year-old who rescued the two 11-year-olds from the river. That was another incredible story. It was a young lad by the name of Callum Keane. He's 16. He jumped in. It was the River Boyne in County Meath. He saw the two 11-year-olds get into uh, difficulty and he it, it's a dangerous river and that particular part of the river where the rescue uh, occurred seemingly is particularly dangerous as it can drop to between eight and nine foot at one point and this young lad say says he saw them he knew they were in difficulty and he he didn't think of himself at all he just said right I need I need to help these two lads so in he got and uh, and he saved both of them and he is yeah absolutely he's another real hero and they're real positive stories because God knows we hate reporting on the stories where lives have been lost so thank you and and I should have remembered and spoken about that young lad when I was talking about the fishermen in Galway so thank you to that listener who sent that on uh, to me. Now we didn't email him can I give a mention to this, uh, please? Because this may be of sentimental value to someone. Hi, uh, this is from Norma. My friend found a gold St. Christopher's medal and chain. They found it in the Arches pub in Mallow. Now, I have shared it with the Mallow Act of Kindness Facebook page, but somebody suggested contacting you. Glad you did. There's an inscription on the back. So I'm going to need for the person who claims it to tell me what the inscription is because we want to make sure that this gold, silver or this gold St. Christopher's medal and chain gets back to the rightful owner. Okay, so if you are a family member or you heard of somebody 
who lost a St. Christopher medal and chain. Were you in the Arches pub recently? If so, we have the contact details of the person who's looking after that St. Christopher's medal and chain for you. It's very possible as well that somebody's lost it and didn't even realise. Do you know often you can lose a necklace? Uh, I know certainly I have one necklace that I lost. I, well, I'm assuming I lost it when I was out somewhere because I went to wear it one night and it wasn't in the box that it's normally in. And I was thinking, where was the last place I was? And I had remembered wearing it out. And I'm convinced I must have lost it while I, while I was out because I would always have returned it and put it back in the box where it was and it just wasn't there. So it is possible that the person mightn't have, have realised they, they've lost it. Anyway, that's a gold St. Christopher medal and it was found in the Arches Bar in Mallow. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, during the nationwide lockdown due to COVID-19, all driving tests were cancelled. But since late July. They're now back up and running. The only issue is a very lengthy backlog. To discuss the waiting times that learner drivers are experiencing, I'm joined by Connor Faulkner, Director of Consumer Affairs with the AA. Good morning to you, Connor. Good morning. Uh, uh, Good to talk to you. Now, I think the waiting list is around the 73,000 learner Mm. drivers roughly waiting. Do you know how long on average people are waiting to get a test date? Um, Well, it's 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 long and it's growing. Before we went into this crisis, they were getting on top of it, Patricia. They do have periodic backlogs. You know, get the system gets gummed up from time to time. But they had been doing great. They had the national average test time down to about six weeks. And then COVID came, and of course, everything stopped. Uh, testing is is limited in terms of the capacity because of COVID restrictions, and we had this build up behind them. So, uh, I mean, I'm hearing conflicting reports, but uh, unless you need it urgently, you are looking at a long delay for the test. And that's why we should mention that sort of downstream, government have done a couple of sensible things. They really had no choice, but one of them is they've extended the validity of learner permits. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, it, it is a pause, Patricia, and it's, it's going to get worse because um, until we resume full testing, this backlog is going to accumulate. Now, in a funny way, the RSA are kind of getting away with it because it's not just the people who are queuing for the test. Behind them, there are individuals who can't get driving lessons. You have to get 12 modules completed before you can do the test. And it's very difficult to get driving tuition at the moment because of COVID. And then behind them again, you have a cohort of people, you know, a a generation of people in a sense, who would normally in the ordinary course of events start the driving process, you know, get their learner permit, get on a parent's car typically and start with their lessons. And they haven't even begun the process because everything has stopped. So 75,000 people in the waiting list at the moment, Patricia, that's probably a false small number because there's others delayed further back in the pipe and, and we are going to be stuck with these delays for a time. And did I read somewhere, I mean, they, they, the testers are working at reduced capacity. I th- I'm sure yeah. I read they're only working about 40% of capacity. Mm-hmm. So that will just uh, make that list longer and longer. Yeah, and, and look, there's no criticism here. Um, it, it is because of, of COVID care that it's having to be done. So there are a set of test protocols, for example, the, you know, the, the examiner will do is conduct as much of the test as possible out of doors. So previously you'd have had a, you know, a, a, a desk interview as part of the test. Um, distancing and masking measures in cars, protocols for, for windows open, etc. It has to be done with, with slow and meticulous care. And, you know, there's really no way 
to fix that. Yeah. Um, you could. It depends how long it lasts, Patricia, because, I mean, if we knew, heaven forbid, but if we knew now that these COVID-style restrictions were going to be in place for another two years, um, you could then perhaps look at adding tester resources, you know, bringing in more testers, investing in being able to do COVID-safe tests. Uh, you would probably have to do something like that, um, but of course, you know that that's not an effort, that's not an investment that it would be sensible to make if you knew that COVID was going to disappear in four months and six months. So I think it's the uncertainty that's caused that. Something similar occurred with the national car test, the NCT, and with commercial vehicle testing. Again, they just paused, and government extended the validity of their certificates uh, because it you know it was a sensible thing to do, and you can get away with that when the emergency is temporary. Um, you, 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 you know, it's, it's a sensible temporary measure. It's a, it's a crazy policy long term. And I think government at the moment and, and its agencies are, are in a sense caught, caught halfway between those two things. Is this emergency, temporary COVID stuff yeah. that we can, we can tolerate? Or is this new normal really going to continue for, for a period that we count in years? And if the latter, then, you know, a lot of our investments and arrangements will have to be made. A listener is suggesting, is there any talk of scheduling tests at the weekend to try mm-hmm. to help with the backlog? Is that a possibility? Yeah, it is, and they've done that before. See, pre- prior to COVID, you know, they, they had sort of crests and, 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 and slumps. There'd been periods where there was big demand for the driving test and they got, you know, a, a big backlog. Most recently, Patricia, it was only about two years ago when the, this thing called the Clancy Amendment came in. And people might remember that tightened the rules for learner permit holders, meant you could get the car impounded if you were a learner permit holder on your own. When that law was announced, it caused a stampede to the testing centres. You know, loads of people came and applied, but they wound up with a huge backlog. And they had to do things like uh, like weekend testing and out of hours testing and overtime initiatives, etc., to get on top of it. Further back again, I mean, at one stage they actually outsourced driving tests. They actually hired in, um, you know, a private company to conduct. I think it was forty thousand tests, and that was a, a backlog initiative. So, you, you know, it, 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 backlog initiatives of various sorts can be carried out, including weekend testing, and that's part of what the RSA will be. Um, We'll, we'll be looking at, but uh, um, say, in, in fairness to them, it's difficult to plan when you just can't be sure what it is you're, you're, you're yeah. planning for. Yeah. What's your advice for people waiting on the test, uh, Connor? Is it just keep up your practice? Keep up your practice. I mean, the, the driving test is the right of passage. You've, you've only to pass it once, um, but it, you know it's a big milestone on your journey. And um, so, keep up your practice and and you know wait patiently. If you have an urgent need for a test. The RSA will try and facilitate you. They won't thank me for saying this out loud, Patricia, if it causes low people to do so. But I've always found them very good. And you, from on occasion, you'll get somebody who, say, for example, must have a driving license as part of a job application or something like that. And the RSA are very good finding them cancellation slots and getting them an early test if they can. I mean, knowing them, I suspect they're trying to do the same for people at the moment. But if in the ordinary course of events, you're, you're just you know, you don't have that sort of urgency. You're just in the queue. I'd advise you to just, you know, keep up your, your practice, your company driver uh, um, training and, and your practice and, and you know, await your turn. Unfortunately, though, and this is a reality check that people often don't like, um, until you pass the driving test, you don't have a driving license. So, you know, you're not allowed to drive on a company. You can't take it on motorways. You can't use it for your commute to work. And I do appreciate that there's, plenty of people growing now into thousands of people 
who are in that situation, people who would have a full driving licence if the state was competent to give them a test. And, 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 and because the state can't do it, they're stuck in a kind of limbo. It is harsh on them, um, but, you know, uh, unfortunately, that is just one of the COVID realities. We could blame the RSA and the state if they deserved it, uh, but on this occasion... It's I not think their fault. Fair, they don't. Not yeah. their fault. Mar- uh, Maria says, is Connor hearing any complaints about people having to wear face masks during the test? Uh, Maria is due to take her test, but she wears glasses, and her problem is her glasses are constantly fogging up when she tries yeah. to drive with a face mask. Yeah, uh, you are required to wear a face mask during the driving test. If you cannot, you can make that known to the RSA. Uh, you know, there's lots of people who, you know, for one good reason or another, just aren't able to wear face masks. You know, there are some people who are vulnerable themselves and, you know, may you know, have asthma conditions or whatever. There are legitimate good reasons. And to be fair, if you're trying to drive a car and your face mask is steaming up your glasses, I mean, at the very it's worst... A problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, so again, RSA will will make special arrangements. They have to ensure that the tester has got additional PPE and stuff like that. So look, don't turn up at the drive. You know, I'm sure this lady wouldn't. But like, don't turn up at the driving test centre, standing on your rights and getting all self righteous and refusing to wear. <laughs> That's just not helping anybody. You know, if if your need is genuine, I say this for the RSA, and I've always found it true. If your need is genuine, they'll genuinely try to help. And they are looking at arrangements like that. Um, uh, you know, but they're to some degree improvised arrangements. And of course, they've got a you know a big duty of care to their own staff member. They, 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 uh, the tester will be taking you. And, you know, the reason why we wear masks isn't to protect ourselves, it's to protect others. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the lady is as familiar with all of that information as, 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 as the rest of us are, Patricia. And so it is possible, if she genuinely cannot wear a face mask, it is possible to do the driving test. But I would check the RSA website and make contact with them. Contact uh, them in, in, yeah. in, in advance. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, and uh, the roads went all quiet during lockdown, Connor. Are, is it? Are they back up now? To they're, they're back, Patricia. Particularly down your way, um, Cork and Kerry, very busy. Particularly the August weekend, we're, we're watching it in great detail in AA Road Watch. Uh, you know, as you would expect. I suppose. That's your job. Um, yeah, um, but it's interesting when when lockdown came in first, there was a huge drop in traffic, precipitous drop in traffic, and then it sort of crept back. On the June bank holiday weekend, Ireland did not go away. The, the holiday resort, the locations around the country, the picturesque tourist spots in Ireland, they were very, very quiet. August bank holiday, we were back. The August bank holiday numbers, traffic-wise, were, were nearly the same as normal. So the staycationers uh, were definitely off out and about. And we could see it in things like our breakdown service. You could see the breakdown bubbling up all around the country. Irish people definitely on the move. And we can see that in the traffic volumes as well. So it's still August. You know, the commuting rush hour isn't really a thing. Um, we'll see what that's like in September. But but during the day, Irish people are back on the roads. So says the data. We're, we're up above 90% of, of, of the same period last year. So we're back. It'll be interesting when the kids go back to school. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely well see an increase. All right. Pleasure as always, Connor. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. Thanks uh, good morning to you. Bye bye. Connor Faulkner there, who is Director of Consumer Affairs with the AA. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And as we've been reporting on the news this morning, there has been some good news for Gagan as three mobile are rolling out 4G broadband in the area. Independent Doll Deputy Michael Collins says the rolling out of 4G is taking place after many months 
of negotiations and Michael Collins was there and he has disappeared okay I'll get John Paul to uh, get Michael back on the line the line uh, (laughs) we're going to talk about connectivity between here and uh, West Cork and this is what happens the line just goes dead on us so we will get uh, Michael Collins back on the programme again uh, because it has been a little bit of a nightmare for people living in parts of West Cork and it's it's a really very much a rural issue not to be able to have a good internet connection or in some some areas not to have an internet connection at all at all Michael Collins is back with me. Good morning, Michael. Hey, good morning. Li- line dropped out on us there. I was just explaining that you had mentioned that the rolling out of 4G, which is taking place, has taken many, many months of negotiations. So certainly it's a good news story for people in the area. But just remind listeners the lengths that local people had to go to in order to just to access a decent internet connection. Well, the people are gagging, yes. Patricia have been suffering for for a hell of a long time uh, in relation to their their broadband situation. They were on a three G, um, and they, basically it wasn't. You know, I suppose in the pandemic, a lot of people came home, went back to work uh, from their homes. They weren't able to carry out their work from the home. They were going to the point of having to go to the local churchyard to try and pick up a, a reception, basically to work their laptops from inside in their car, spending hours away from their home when they should have been able to work at home in a, in a in more simplistic form. And look, we we. You know, the government did uh, um, allow uh, Comrade, uh, to, Comrade to, to put in extra, uh, an extra spectrum uh, in certain areas. Now, I was quite annoyed about that because I, I just felt who's... I know Comrade are, are the watchdog, but who's the watchdog over Comrade? And have they delivered to rural communities? Or is it a rural community still there? Have they delivered to a rural community, we'll say, in West Cork? And, and look, in fairness, we give... Uh, um, uh, Credit where credit is due, they did give a, a temporary spectrum license uh, to Tree Mobile to, to erect um, a temporary um, mast to take on new equipment. So basically, um, they're, they're doing testing there today for a 4G coverage for uh, Gagan, which I think will be rolled out over the next couple of days. So it's a, it's a great new story for the people of Gagan, but it's taken a hell of a long time to deliver this and, and a lot of rocky roads and a lot of uh, thoughts that it wasn't going to work out because. Three mobile were first on, on, on the pitch as such. Then they seemed to leave the pitch for a while. We had a private operator almost going to set up there. He seemed to pull out. Uh, but no, in fairness, Three mobile did come back. I was talking to them. I kept in contact with them all along. They, they, they applied to Comrade for that uh, spectrum, uh, extra capacity or whatever we want to call it. And they've got it and it's been rolled out, as I say. As yeah, as and it was up. one of the big news stories at the start of the lockdown. I mean, that whole notion of people travelling into the car park, at the it was the church car park, wasn't it, in Bandon? Uh, and, uh, well, they might have said a few prayers when they were there. They weren't there for that reason. It just seemed ludicrous, didn't it, that in this day and age, 2020, you have people getting into their cars to drive into a church car park just to pick up an internet signal. There, 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 there was sheer frustration was hair pulling stuff you know and, and, and they were on a 3G network which wasn't uh, suitable or capable of, of them carrying out their very basic business uh, uh, they needed a 4G uh, network now the private operator was going to offer that but um, uh, like private operators and I've been speaking about all this in the doll I think they need protections and they need funding to survive as such uh, and to be able to uh, cover black spots that, that we'll say the rural broadband plan whichever or whenever it comes 
that still can go ahead. And that was one of the questions I raised in my previous questions about a month ago. That still can go ahead, but the private operator needs to be funded to set up places like Kilmac Simon, like Inishannon, Sandy Cove, and can see it. We're lucky enough to the west. We have private operators that are starting most areas, because like places like Campola and other places have been started out down through the years. But in communities like Gagan that are living in it, I was there this morning at the mast, and like they're in a valley. And it's very hard to feed broadband into a valley if mm. fibre optic isn't coming past their door, which in Dissy it should when it's such close proximity to Bandit, but it hadn't. But three mobile have come up with the goods in this one, in fairness. I ain't here to promote any company. I just want, we just wanted desperately to get this across the line for the people of Gagan, and it has happened. Okay, all right, certainly it, it is a good news story. Cataract bus, you're, you're heading off again tomorrow? Yeah, bus number 56 is is, is um, heading off uh, tomorrow morning at 4.30 and picking up people starting in Godino at 2 o'clock and, and uh, in little minibus and, t- and others, other members of my family were taking to Cork. They're sitting off from there. It's the third bus, third week in a row. Um, lucky, as I said, we're getting the swap. We're having real problems with uh, Michael's phone line uh, today. We can leave it there, um, John Paul. Anyway, we're, I was about to uh, wrap it up, but it is fantastic news for people for people in Gagan. So uh, people will be will be thrilled with that. But also great news for those people who are twenty one patients uh, will be heading to Belfast tomorrow. I think they they. There's a new schedule now. They normally were leaving early in the morning and on the Saturday and they would leave. The the last time, and I'm assuming it's going to be the same again tonight, they leave in the small hours of the morning because obviously because of COVID-19 restrictions, there's extra things have to be done once they get to Belfast. But they all had to be COVID-19 tested before they left. And actually it was Dr Nick Flynn who joins us on the programme from mycorkgp.ie in his his clinic in the city. He did the testing, the swabbing of COVID-19 for the patients and once they're all clear to go they'll all be getting on that bus. So we wish all of those, it's 21 patients heading off on the 56th bus. It's And it's a long, long journey for a lot of those people. I think, you know, even in your best of health, the idea of having to get on a bus and head to Belfast. But it has been one of those big, big success stories. The length of time people are waiting for a cataract operation, we know and we've heard of people who've gone blind waiting for a cataract operation. And wouldn't you go to Timbuktu and back if you thought you were going to retain your sight? So I have huge understanding of why people and why families go forward and put their loved ones onto those buses. So can we just wish the very best of good health and good luck to all of the people heading off. And I'm sure the crack on the bus, they probably make it like a social outing as well, knowing the good people of West Cork. But it isn't, of course, it isn't just people from West Cork. People travel now from all over Cork once they started hearing about the buses. And there's other areas now are organising buses as well. But uh, we wish each and every one of them had the best of luck on the Cataract bus heading to Belfast uh, tomorrow. 1850-333-103. A listener wants to know, and I don't know the answer to this, so I'll see if anybody else knows do can I still try on shoes when I go to a shoe shop says a listener I know you can't try on clothes in a clothes shop 
I think some shops are allowing it, but then they have to steam the clothes and they don't put the clothes back out for a day or two just to make sure, just for fear that somebody tried on an article of clothing and may have had COVID-19 without realising and that they were shredding the virus. So for that reason, all the clothes get steamed and then they're left before they're put, they're put out. And I don't know about shoes, to be honest. I haven't bought a pair of shoes since COVID-19. So I haven't been in a shoe shop to try, try them on. So has anybody been out buying shoes lately or is there any shoe shop listening to us can you let us know what is the procedure if somebody wants to buy a pair of shoes? I mean, obviously, it's a retail setting, so you'll have to have your mask on you. But are you allowed to try on shoes? I'm assuming you would be. It's very hard to buy a pair of shoes, isn't it, without trying them on to make sure that they are a comfy fit. So has anybody bought shoes lately? If so, were you allowed to try them on? And what was the procedure used in trying on shoes? 1850 WhatsApp 0862 103 103. John in says, Patricia, did I hear Deputy Michael Collins say it was bus number 56 leaving tomorrow from West Cork and heading to Belfast? What do they call it? The Belfast or Blind Bus, isn't it? Patricia, crazy when you can get this procedure done here. Uh, what a hero Michael is, says John in uh, Clonakilty. And it is also a procedure that takes, I think it's about 20 minutes. It's a very short quick procedure because anyone who's gone to Belfast to have have done are always taken aback by how quick the procedure actually is and 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 the people that go on those buses and it's well I think it started with Michael Collins and Michael Healy Ray isn't it or Danny Healy Ray is involved with it as well as it was kind of a joint initiative between Cork and Kerry to get the buses initially uh, rolling out others have started doing it from other parts of the county and and I'm assuming other parts of the country as well because it's the cross-border initiative the people that go on the buses they have to pay for it they have to pay up front because it's a private hospital they're going to in Belfast but then when they come back they apply to the HSC and they can claim back the cost of the operation in Belfast. Now, obviously, there's going to be other costs like the cost of the bus and the overnight accommodation, but a small price to play, really, when you think about the choices. Sit at home, wait on a very long waiting list down here in the south. A waiting list, that can I say, because of COVID-19 is only getting longer. And rather than sit at home and wait to lose your eyesight, these people are taking the initiative. No, I'm going to go on that bus and I'll come up with the money and then I'll be able to claim the money back. And I know the credit unions have been absolutely fantastic for people. Some people might have a bit of savings and will be able to use their savings to pay and then claim the money back. But there are others who don't have that kind of cash. So the credit unions have been fantastic in offering almost bridging loans to people. Uh, and then they, don't, they pay it back when they get the money back from the HSE. But yes, you did hear Michael Collins say it was the 56th bus once again we wish everyone the best of luck heading off on the bus tomorrow This is Cork Today Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Cork's greatest hits C103 I just referenced a couple of Facebook posts that we've seen in the last uh, couple of days. And we did contact the people involved, but they they preferred not to join us on air. But both the topics are worthy of a mention. Uh, The first is something that was posted up yesterday by the Summer SUP School in Cork. It's based in Crookhaven, their paddle 
boarding and paddle boarding is always fantastic if you're away on holidays and with so many people staycationing people are looking for things to do particularly for the children and unfortunately this paddle board company SUP School in Cork say we've decided to call it a day for this summer in Crookhaven and close from today this was yesterday uh, three weeks early one of our boards was damaged during the messing last night and we won't have we won't make enough money to replace it this year and in fear of it happening again and another board getting damaged we've decided to cut our losses thanks to all of our customers over the past few weeks we look forward to seeing you next year in some more peaceful times isn't that dreadful there's a you know a business trying to do their very best and because of that vandalism that went on in that area this week in the Mizzen area this week one of the boards uh, so badly damaged and they're expensive boards that's just that is absolutely uh, shocking now we had a caller who wants to go and buy a pair of shoes and is wondering what happens when you go to buy a pair of shoes? Are you allowed to try them on? Well, Phil Barry has contacted us from Lines Shoe Shop in Mallow. Good morning to you, Phil. Good morning, Trisha. And it is very possible to try on a pair of shoes, it seems. It is. Yeah, we have a lot of things in place for people, so just for them to feel safe themselves. You know, we have socks that they can put on over their own, or if their own are clean, they can wear those. But we spray the shoes after everybody has tried them on. There's gloves if you want to pick up the shoes. It's trying to make the customers safe, really, more than anything, and feel safe. There's no problem trying on the shoes because we disinfect everything afterwards. Because you have to try shoes. There's no way you can buy a pair of shoes without trying them on. It's, it is absolutely impossible. And everybody adhering to the guidelines around the masks, Phil? They are. There are. There might have been the odd person, but they've forgotten them and there was no problem because we have a box of masks if they wanted them. We hand them out to them, otherwise they go back to the car. People are being very good. Yeah. Very good. And we've hand sanitizer everywhere. And I'm sure even Flynn's and McSweeney's, they all, and shoes, they all have the same procedure. So there's no problem trying them on. Just do, I know even the kids going in now to McSweeney's across the way, there's no bother. There is no bother trying on shoes. You do have to try them on because every brand is different and fits differently. Yeah, so because I know with some of the clothes shops, they're not allowing people to try on. Others are. But you're right, you can't buy a pair of shoes and no. children's shoes in particular. Yeah, and you see, you're paying maybe 95 euro for a shoe. It's terrible if they don't fit. And it's easier for us to try them on here rather than people taking them home and trying them. Now, we do have that service where people take them out for elderly people. Yeah. Um, and again, we do the same thing. They're sprayed when they come back and they're looked after and they're left to dry out first before we put them back into okay. the Okay, well done, well done. How's business going? Not too bad, going well, no, thank is God. It? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like the locals are great. They support locally, which is wonderful. And that's what you need to do. Yeah. Listen, yeah. thank you for that, thank Phil. You, and thanks for clearing Bye-bye. that up. Bye-bye. Phil Barry there joining us from Lines Shoe Shop in Amalo. Uh, there's no bother at all with uh, trying on uh, shoes. And then we spotted this from Broderick's filling station it's in Shanagari and they uh, shared this during the week to say I had a very disgruntled gentleman come into the shop on Monday over the wearing of face masks on Tuesday I had a member of staff reduced to tears over an elderly couple and their thoughts on the wearing of face coverings and then today it was obviously Wednesday a lady rang the shop to complain about a member of staff confronting her over not wearing a mask saying they were very rude and made her feel very upset but wouldn't give her name. What she didn't realise it was me that had asked her to please wear a mask. Her not knowing that she was actually me she was speaking about claiming I had been rude to her. I did ask her to put on a mask like I'd asked everyone in a very polite manner but she was quite happy to call back the store 
giving out about me in the hope that she was getting someone into trouble. This is not easy for us. And to be honest, this week has been a struggle for all of us here. But we have to do our job. Thanks to everybody who understands. And that's from Broderick's filling station in Shanagari, signed by Ed Hazel and all of the staff. People just have to start being kind to one another. And I know we touched on it earlier in the week when I was talking about some of the abusive calls that John Paul and Sadie in particular has been getting. We've come to the conclusion that John Paul has a bit of a tougher skin, but Sadie is new to it and new to the phones. And we were just talking about, you know, some people were being really nasty to her and just uncalled for. And I mentioned it early on in the week in the hope that I could, you know, get it through to people. Please only contact us if you're going to be nice. And like we welcome people having rants, but don't have a rant to the person you know, don't shoot the messenger. Don't have a rant at the person who's picking up the phone uh, to listen to you. And I couldn't get over actually. And I was talking to John Paul and Sadie back in the office afterwards. They were saying so many other people started contacting them saying, yeah, is it something to do with the pandemic? Is it something to do with people coming back out after lockdown? But there are some very rude people out there who feel that they are almost a law unto themselves and around the mask wearing in particular, they don't want to wear the mask. They don't want to abide by the rules and the regulations. And if God forbid somebody in the shop says, please, could you pop your mask on? Could you wear your mask? They just give a mouthful and verbally abuse the person. And nobody goes in to work in a retail setting to be abused by a member of staff, just to be abused by a member of the public just because that person is highlighting you're not wearing a mask. Now, I have heard from a variety of other retail outlets who are not asking people to wear the mask. They're not the legal enforcers. I mean, we had... Deputy Michael Healy-Ray who has a shop and a petrol station in Kilgarvan in Kerry and he says well there's, he reckons 99% of people are wearing the masks but he says he and his staff have made the decision they're not the enforcers so they're not asking people to wear masks but some some shopkeepers are and and are doing it I think to protect themselves and to protect their staff because remember the people coming into the shop the wearing of the mask is to protect the other people that are in the shop. So I can understand why some retailers are going down that route of saying to people, please, will you put your mask on? The laws are there now to tell you that you can be fined if you don't wear your mask. But yeah, unfortunately, people just have, have, when they want to have a rant, they will have a rant and they will verbally abuse. But somebody ringing up just to complain about somebody in the hope of getting somebody into trouble that seems very very unfair indeed. We were talking about cataract operations when I had Michael Collins on in the last hour. Somebody says and I'd love to know when this actually happened. Somebody says three months was all I waited for an eye operation in Cork. Well done. Well done. It's a much longer waiting time now for sure but well done to you. And then another listener says Hi Patricia read the bus is going to Belfast for the cataract operations. I actually get a bit annoyed when I hear politicians going on about organising these buses. People should also be reminded it's entirely possible to get the appointment in Belfast without going on one of these buses. Mom was on the cataract waiting list in Cork for over two years and we finally had to give up waiting and we opted to go to Belfast instead. The paperwork and the credit union was very straightforward and they were very helpful read the filling in of forms etc. We took the train. Now we did have to spend a night in a hotel. We picked a nice cheap hotel in Belfast the night after the procedure and then we came back down on the train the next day after the first eye was done back up again a month later for the second 
second operation. The politicians were organising buses at the time, but we had way more independence by doing it on our own. In any case, whether you go by bus or independently, it was a fantastic opportunity. The team in Belfast were fabulous. Really lovely. And my mother hasn't looked back since. Pardon the pun. So I would encourage anyone who needs it to go for it. That's from uh, Ruth. Thank you for that, uh, Ruth. And can I just say your mother was very lucky that she had somebody like you to support her and take her through the process and help her with the paperwork and get the credit union sorted out. The one thing that the politicians like, for example, Michael Collins, they particularly work with people who really don't have anyone to help them out, anyone to organise it. It's a huge undertaking to go to uh, Belfast and absolutely, of course, you can do it independently and I think Michael Collins would be the first one to say, you know, of course go and do it independently but he just does his best and I think particularly for people who are not in that position, who don't have that confidence and it sounds like you've got wonderful confidence to be able to help your mother like that. So well done and thrilled to hear that your mum got on so well. Now, can anybody help out this listener? Morning Patricia, is there anywhere in Cork City or County that I can get a COVID-19 test done privately? The reason I'm asking, I'm travelling back to Dubai for work and I need a negative test certificate in order to do so. Now, I did ring my GP, but they said, sorry, they're only sending those with symptoms for tests. Any help would be gratefully appreciated. Thanking you. So has anybody had a private test done for uh, COVID-19? If so, where did you go? The one I would think of, did you, t- oh, did you try any of the private hospitals? Because they're all, all the private hospitals now have come back out from under the running of the HSE or any of the private hospitals, I wonder, doing. Because you, this lady can't be on her own. There has to be other people that need to have a test done to prove they don't have COVID-19 before they can travel to go to, in this case, it's a job. If anyone can help us out, ideally, somewhere locally here in the Cork area, anyone know and willing to pay, obviously, to have the test done privately just to prove that she doesn't have COVID-19. If you can help us out with that, please do. 1850 333 103 or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Patricia, there are life jackets on the market that actually have GPS tracking devices incorporated into the life jacket. Wearing one of these would help to avert a disastrous outcome and certainly would have helped in the situation that occurred in Galway this week. I wonder how expensive those life jackets are, but absolutely would that not be the way to go that every single life jacket had a GPS tracking system we certainly would have nobody lost at sea, sea if, if we did or at least if there was an accident they would get to them so much quicker thank you for that and Yesterday we were talking about the back to school clothing and footwear allowance and we had a listener who contacted us. I mean, bless her heart, she was upset because her son is very nervous, 17 year old young fellow, very nervous about going back to school. And she's applied for the first time for the back to school clothing and footwear allowance. She applied back in July and hasn't received anything and was wondering, did anybody know? Was there delays? How long more would she be waiting? And she was saying, you know, the young fellow in particular wants a new pair of runners and she thinks if she at least got the clothing and footwear allowance she could get him the runners and it might just you know 
give him a little bit of a lift and might just help him a little bit as he heads back to school in a couple of weeks time and I was wondering and we did hear from a number of people say no you know we got our money and everyone had been paid on, on time etc so we got on to the Department of Social Protection just to check out what is going on with the back to school clothing and footwear allowance and they tell us when an application is received a confirmation issues straight back to the applicant for example if you submitted your application online through mywelfare.ie you'll receive a confirmation online you'll get an email back um, almost immediately I imagine but if the application comes by post they send a text message out and I don't know the listener who contacted me because I'm sure she said in her text that she's heard nothing since and if that is the case then you need to contact them because they say any customer who has yet to receive an acknowledgement should contact the back to school clothing and footwear allowance section on O. 071-919-3318 or 0818-111113 where an officer will be able to confirm that the application has been received because when I read out the text yesterday that did go through my mind could something have happened that the application somehow got lost got lost in the post some way fell between the cracks when it did arrive at the office so to that listener hopefully she's listening to us again this morning if you sent your application and received absolutely no confirmation that it was received, then please contact them again 071-919-3318 and just staying with the Department of Social Protection, a reminder to anyone who is on a COVID-19 the €350 pandemic unemployment payment that today is the last day for you to confirm your eligibility by noon today so you've got just a little over half an hour left if you are still unemployed and you are still entitled to the pandemic unemployment payment you must contact the Department of Social Protection by 12 noon because if you don't confirm it then your payment will cease and you will not your payment will be suspended and you won't receive a payment next week the department said 270,000 people have already got in touch to confirm their eligibility and they have nothing further to do and their payment will uh, continue but you need to contact them uh, by 12 12 noon today to let them know that you are still entitled to that uh, pay- payment and I'm assuming you just go on mywelfare.ie as I say you have until 12 noon today 1850 C103 Jobs Kitchen Porter is required it's a full-time position and it's in the Bandon area full-time and part-time dental nurses and receptionists are required that's for Bandon and bus escorts are required to travel with children with intellectual disabilities from Bandon to schools in Montanati in Cork. And Abbeylands Nursing Home that's based in Kildallery, they've got vacancies for healthcare assistance. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And someone, Kay, thank you Kay for this, says Patricia, I know of somebody who had a private COVID-19 test done in Tralee Private Hospital. Now I know the bonds have a private hospital in Tralee, so I'm assuming that's the hospital that you're talking about, Kay, and to cost €50. Euro. hope that helps. Kind regards, as says Kay. It does help indeed to our listener if she wants to give the bonds in Tralee a call uh, while we wait to see if there's anyone here in Cork 
doing private COVID-19 tests. This lady needs to have the test done before flying back to Dubai for work. Now, local authorities must enforce dog fouling legislation and issue fines for offences, according to the National Council for the Blind. Joining me to discuss this and to talk about the need to educate the public on the dangers of dog fouling, I'm joined by Kevin Kelly, who is with the NCBI. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia, and to your listeners. Well, you're very welcome to the programme. Now, since the Litter Pollution Act was introduced, which which was back in 1997, Cork City Council has only issued four fines to dog owners. Does that disappoint you, that the, the level of fines is so low? Yes, certainly. When we were contacted about this uh, issue uh, earlier this week, uh, we were surprised uh, that it uh, was uh, so low because four and 20 years is very low. We know from other local authorities uh, anecdotally that um, it is higher in other areas, but still probably not at a level or a rate uh, to tackle, which is something which is a very uh, serious uh, problem for people who are blind and vision impaired and the general public, it has to be said as well. The council say the law is hard to enforce as they need to witness the dog fouling. Do they just need to relook at the way that they're doing enforcement? I think they do. I think um, uh, sometimes uh, in Ireland we can be too quick to blame the legislation and the rules and regulations and say it needs to be uh, reformed. Um, I think uh, enforcement of uh, lots of our uh, bylaws uh, needs to be uh, rapidly uh, increased. I know that comes down to the issue of resources and manpower, but this is uh, an issue um, and a challenge. And perhaps we have to uh, look at... uh, uh, deploying our council staff differently to tackle uh, such a serious problem because if I just give you uh, a very practical example, if you're somebody uh, who um, is blind who is using uh, a long cane uh, your listeners will be familiar uh, seeing people around uh, Cork when they're rolling their cane so best case scenario I suppose is that the tip of the cane uh, goes into uh, the dog who far from uh, ideal or the person uh, steps and somebody uh, who has uh, unimpeded uh, sight has a chance uh, to avoid it but it, it happens to us all but if you stop and think about when it's happened it may be petitioned to yourself or to others when you go home you have to uh, clean that but imagine doing that with your uh, eyes closed it's really really uh, disgusting and it's something that is completely avoidable if uh, dog owners are, are more responsible and obviously every time you would go out with a long uh, cane you wouldn't know if you you've landed in dog poo or not, so you've just got to be very careful when you get back, when you get back home to fold it back up again and, and check to see that it's clean. Yes, and uh, and, and uh, sometimes uh, the smell uh, gives oh, it uh, of course. away. Of course, yeah. of course, of course. Has it happened to you on many occasions, Kevin? I'm afraid it uh, has, and it bugs the, the uh, life um, out of me, I have to say, um, uh, I'm a guide dog owner myself and um, I lift up uh, after my own uh, guide dog and I really believe if I'm able to do that with somebody that has no sight, I think everyone in the general public uh, needs to do the same. And being being honest with you, we're living in the midst of uh, the pandemic and there's been a lot asked of the general public, but we're hearing from our advocates and and, uh, people who use our services. We all know anecdotally that there's been an increase of dog walking because people uh, are at home and that's great for uh, 
the dogs are uh, great for the people that they're not stuck in a long commute. But if you are going to take your uh, dog out, uh, you have to be uh, responsible. Bring a bag and uh, lift up after uh, your dog because uh, particularly for uh, children as well, you might uh, be out playing, they may pick this up and ingest it and it can cause other uh, health uh, complications uh, along the way as well. So it is uh, not a very pleasant uh, uh, topic of conversation, but uh, it's something that it can be avoided if people take more responsibility. It, it, it's coincident, it can lead to blindness, can't it, within children if they're playing and they get it on their hands and they get it into their eyes? Yes, indeed, uh, get it into their eyes and suggest that that can be one of the uh, issues uh, and challenges. And this is an issue that um, NCBI flags on an annual basis as part of our Clear Pass campaign, which we had to uh, postpone this year due to uh, the pandemic. But later in the year, we are going to do a public awareness campaign specifically on the topic of uh, dog filing to make people uh, m- more aware and ask them to be more uh, responsible and uh, it, it really is uh, quite um, uh, revolting. And when you are blind, uh, it does take uh, a lot of courage, particularly in the early days of uh, your sight loss journey, to go out and be confident. And the last thing uh, you want is to stand a, a, a dog poo. And so, again, as I've said a few occasions, we're just asking people to be more responsible, to bring a bag, use the uh, public bins that uh, are provided, or uh, bring it home uh, and dispose of it. And Kevin, how have you been getting on with all of the COVID-19 restrictions and lockdown and, and all of that? I know in the early days when we were talking about social distancing, at one stage there was uh, talk of, for people who are visually impaired, it's hard for you to know if you're two metres away from somebody. Yeah, that's a topic that NCBI has done a lot of uh, work on because it really is a significant challenge for people we're blind and vision impaired and continues uh, to be now as more people are out about and about streets are becoming busier. So we did uh, some work with the uh, Department of Health and uh, there was ads playing on radio stations uh, around the country, including uh, your own calling on the general public to be conscious of people with disabilities and particularly people with uh, vision impairments to make sure that you always afford them uh, the space. So that's the really important thing because if you're blind and vision impaired it's pretty much uh, impossible uh, to judge uh, space so the onus is on the general public to provide that uh, uh, space and we'd also encourage the uh, uh, general public to uh, uh, always ask and identify themselves uh, that they're there and before offering assistance and if they're offering assistance and if that offer is accepted to um, uh, offer that advice uh, verbally uh, as opposed to just grabbing on to someone because unfortunately that does happen and, and yeah. that can be uh, quite uh, off-putting as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course the guide dogs have never been trained to socially distance. Certainly uh, not in this one that uh, I've uh, had a experience of uh, myself where you'll have uh, people queuing um, outside of uh, shops uh, but uh, up before COVID-19 the dog was trained always to you know breathe in the door of the shop and off he went and uh, uh, the dog will still do that of course that can cause issues and challenges and it doesn't understand the floor markings that are in the door (laughs) in shops and so on so that can uh, cause people uh, to uh, pass comments so I suppose we're asking uh, people to be tolerant and considerate of the needs of people who are uh, blind and vision impaired. Absolutely. A lot of the solutions that have been put in place for uh, 
pandemic and our response to it are quite visual um, in nature. And we are also uh, talking to a lot of the uh, supermarkets around uh, some of the queuing systems and the technology that they've deployed. It's traffic lights, but again, it's visual. But but but, but by um, adding audio cues, they can make that much more accessible uh, for the 55,000 people living in Ireland who are blind to vision impaired. 55,000? Yes, according wow. to the census. Wow, well, and, and, and when I was thinking about you coming on the programme today, I, one thing that went through, through my mind was the fact that we have an awful lot of outdoor street dining due to COVID-19 restrictions now on a miserable day like today. I don't know how much, how much outdoor dining you'll be doing. But anyway, when the sun is shining. But the tables and the chairs that are now outside of establishments, that's got to be causing you problems. Yeah, and that's an issue that we uh, flagged up uh, as far back um, uh, as April with each of uh, the uh, local authorities because, again, as part of our Clear Our Path campaign and each year uh, the Disability uh, Federation does make way day, which NCBI partakes in. There's been a lot of good work done to regulate uh, street furniture and clamp down on it. And whilst we uh, all recognise uh, the need uh, to allow businesses to trade uh, following a very difficult period of time, that has to be done in a responsible uh, manner. And that all and now that furniture is outdoors and there's tables and chairs, there is an onus on uh, local authorities to police that make sure that it's been done responsibly and uh, NCBI, uh, we've staff all around the country and we are in active uh, discussions uh, uh, with local authorities about uh, how to make uh, improvements to some of the temporary plans that uh, have been put in place. And if there's anyone who is uh, blind or vision impaired or anyone uh, in the general public that is concerned about something in Cork that has been done, they get in contact uh, with ourselves, we can raise that with the local authority uh, in Cork because we must ensure uh, that we leave no one uh, behind as Absolutely. we respond to the pandemic. Absolutely. How long do you have your guide dog? Oh, I'm on my second dog now, yeah. so I've had a dog as far back as uh, 2008. So I've had this fella coming up three years uh, in uh, November, a lovely black Labrador called Van. And you were to retire the first one, did you? Yeah, he retired at 11 and a half. Uh, he had done his uh, days of service uh, yeah. it, uh, with me, so uh, he went off to enjoy, uh, enjoy his retirement. Is that, was that hard for you, going from the new 11 years onto a new dog? Uh, exceptionally, because uh, you build up a bond and a rapport with uh, the dog. And you when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. have to do that over a period of uh, time and the confidence grows. And then you have to first get over the uh, idea of like, giving the uh, dog over and uh, give it to uh, a lovely couple and... Uh, and Kerry uh, to look after because it just wasn't practical for myself. So I initially got over that. But then the biggest challenge, being honest with you, is uh, um, getting used to a new dog. And dogs are like uh, people and our, our work colleagues. Everyone does things uh, slightly differently. Yeah. They have different uh, personalities and there's some things that van. Uh, my current dog does better than Miles, my previous dog, and vice versa. And you're constantly comparing and contrasting, which is... Uh, 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 never good, but uh, no, thank God it's working out really well. <laughs> All right, and you obviously did you get you got van from here in Cork? Yes, down yeah. with the uh, Irish guy dogs. Uh, They're great, flying, great, uh, great bunch, Park. great bunch. Listen, yeah, uh, Kevin, it was a real pleasure talking to you. You look after yourself, and uh, thanks a million for joining us this morning. Cheers, Patricia. Have a great weekend. Uh, you too. God bless. Take care. That is uh, Kevin Kelly, uh, who joins us from the National Council for the Blind. Uh, just a reminder to people, please, would you clean up after your dogs? Actually, uh, where's this gone? This came in earlier, actually, from the um, Councillor Paul Hayes in West Cork. She uh, said, Patricia, I heard that you're going to be talking and doing the piece on dog fouling on the programme today. It's a regular topic of discussion at our council meetings. On the last occasion it came up, I asked the CEO of Cork County Council to examine the possibility of introducing fines for dog owners who can't prove that they're carrying poo bags with them when they're out for a walk with their dogs. At present, litter wardens have to catch the dog in the act and then see that the owner didn't clear up after the dog. If we could strengthen the rules so that anyone approached by a litter warden would have to prove that they have the wherewithal to clean up after their pet by having the bags with them. Otherwise, they face an on-the-spot fine. I think it could have a dramatic impact. There really is no excuse for not carrying poo bags with you as you can get reels of bags to attach onto the dog lead. It's done in other jurisdictions and Paula sent me on an attachment of a piece from the UK and then he sent on a picture of Freddie, his dog, heading out for a walk to Broadstrand Broadstrand, and you can see on the actual lead is a little plastic, it's orange, it looks like a little plastic bone a little hole inside it and all the poo bags are inside so they're ready to rock and roll down to Broadstrand and they'll be able to clean up um, after them as well and the piece that Paul sent on, it's, it's 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 from the local authorities in England and it is in an effort they have the same problem that we have here this isn't just an Irish problem in an effort to stamp out the dog mess councils across the United Kingdom have escalated the war on dog walkers um, and they say you no longer need to be caught not picking up the dog mess in several parts of the country almost anyone walking a dog risks the fine if they're caught out without their furry little friend and they don't have enough plastic bags with them already and it's a hundred pounds fine are up to a thousand pounds if the case goes uh, to court and it's different council areas in the United Kingdom have introduced that and actually it's been it got it was introduced in Australia many many years ago they 
on the spot fine. You could literally be stopped by a litter warden if you're out with your dog and you cannot prove that you they ask you where, where your dog poo bags and if you don't have enough you are on the spot fine. So that is something that's certainly glad to see Paul Hayes from Cork County Council saying he's raised it at a council level. It will be really interesting. He's hoping that it will be ro- rolled out by Cork County Council in the coming months. Keep working on that Paul. I think a lot of people would love to see that being introduced. 1850 333 103. Lines open. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. A West Cork based woman is spearheading a project whose aim is to make a doll to remember each of the 6,000 babies that died in Ireland's mother and baby homes over the years. Court McSherry based Laura Whalen joins me to discuss the Babogue project. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning, how are you? Uh, I'm very well and you're, you're welcome to the programme. Okay, the background to this, when and why did you come up with the idea for this project? Well, I've been a doll maker for about 10 years and um, very early into my doll making journey, I started making dolls for women for healing purposes. And um, in 2018, I was talking with a friend of mine and she told me her story. Um, and part of her story is that she was born in a mother and baby home. Um, I was really touched by that story and I offered to make her a small doll of herself at the age she was adopted um, to, to help her with her process and, and her journey. And I made that doll for her and she really loved it. And she came back to me and asked, would I make a doll for her two siblings who were also born in mother and baby homes, one of whom her little brother died there when he was five weeks old and is buried in an unmarked pauper's grave. Um, And while I was making his doll, I cried and I cried and I cried and I really just felt that every baby that this happened to should have somebody hold them in this way, you know, think of them and and put some love and care into making something for them. Um, And so that's what I decided to do. I decided to make a doll for each of the babies that died in Ireland's mother and baby homes. And it was at that point I did some research and realised the the number is so staggering that it's estimated at around 6,000. And I realised that, of course, I couldn't make 6,000 dolls (laughs) on my own. And so the project was born. And what sort of a response have you been getting? Um, Just amazing. At the moment, um, I currently have over 4,300 dolls already. Wow. Yeah, it is amazing. And people have made them from every county in Ireland, people of all ages, from all walks of life. In fact, not even just in Ireland, we've had dolls from, from the UK, from Germany, from France, and as far away as Alaska as well. So the project is really touching people's hearts. And I think people find it very accessible. Um, you don't need to be a really good craftsperson. And the dolls can be made in any way. So, you know, they don't have to be sewn. They could be knitted or carved or, or glued together or in, in any way at all. Um, I think people are finding that really accessible. And they're also really touched by the, the idea of the project that we can hold somebody that we've never met whose name we'll never know, we can hold them in our hearts for for the couple of hours it takes to make something. And what do you hope to do with all of the dolls? So all of the dolls, when we have all 6,000, they're going to become part of a travelling exhibition and we're going to take them around the country, particularly to the seven towns where the the, the main mother and baby homes were. Um, And we're also very open to taking them elsewhere as well if people would like them to go elsewhere. Um, and then they have been offered a permanent resting place with the Museum of Childhood Ireland project 
um, which will be in Dunleary when, when they've finished touring and when people have finished uh, viewing them. What a gorgeous, gorgeous initiative. Um, well done. Y- you say you started making dolls 10 years ago. I believe it started, you were making dolls for your own children. Was that, was that how it started? Yes, that's right. Um, I'm a mother of five. And um, when my eldest son was about one and a half, I wanted to get a doll for him. But the dolls on the market um, are very pink, plasticky. <laughs> you know, they're marketed towards girls. Yeah. And that's not what I wanted for him. Do you know, I think it's really important that boys play with dolls because, you know, we expect our boys to be good fathers when they grow up. Um, but they're not able to practice being dads. Um, because the the dolls are so inaccessible, if you know, because they're so gender orientated. So I I decided to make him a doll, and I just completely fell in love with the process. It's a really ancient craft that has become really lost, actually, in our culture. Um, only maybe a generation ago, it was really common for for us to have dolls made by our mothers or our grandmothers. But now, where dolls are so cheap. You know, people don't make them anymore. Um, so I, I, yes, I started making dolls for everybody I knew. <laughs> and, and then you, sta- of, you started yeah. doing customised dolls that resemble the child. Explain why that's so important. I think it's mostly important because everyone needs to know that they're beautiful enough to have a doll that looks like them. Um, there's, you know, there's so many differences in appearance. And like I say, you know, so much of what's on the market, the dolls are blonde haired, blue eyed with pink skin. And there are so many people in the world who just don't look like that. Um, and so I think it's really important for, for all sorts of reasons, um, you know, not least developmental reasons that children can identify with the doll that we're, we're playing with. And it's really lovely to be able to give your child a doll and, you know, be able to say with or without words you are so beautiful there is a doll that looks just like you and where and where do you sell your dolls um i mostly work um word of mouth um and through facebook and and etsy um but at the moment i'm i'm not taking very many commissions because i'm so busy with the the project yeah yeah and you're the adult the dolls that you make for adults that that you said for for healing purposes yes yeah. Talk to me about um, that. Uh, again, they take different forms. So I, I make a lot of dolls for women who have lost children, either through miscarriage or early infant loss. Um, and I've made dolls for women who can't have children so that they have something to hold. Um, a lot of my work at the moment is for, I, I don't know if you've heard the phrase before, the inner child. Yeah. Uh, so, uh-huh. Yeah, so a lot of people who work through um, maybe traumas that they've had from childhood um, or things unresolved things that they need to heal um so i my i try and base my doll that i make for them around what they tell me of themselves at that age um you know an age where maybe a trauma happened and a lot of people find it really helpful to have something external that they can express their love to which is basically you know expressing their love back for themselves again Okay, okay. And I think we all have an inner child that could do with a little bit of healing. Um, And Laura, if anybody still wants to get involved in in the Babog project, if anyway, is anyway handy or crafty, as you said, you don't even need to be very craft orientated, but you might just have an idea of how you would put a doll together. You're looking for people to contact you. Oh, absolutely. Yes, we still have over 1,500 dolls that we still need. 
So there's so still a lot of hands we need. Um, we've got a, a website, which is www.thebabogproject.com. And on the website, there are lots of free patterns. So if you do knit or sew or crochet, there's patterns there. Um, and I'm also giving a number of free workshops over September and October. Um, there'll be one in Skibbereen, um, one in East Cork, and there's going to be um, a, a weekly group on a Wednesday evening in Clonakilty Community Arts Centre. Um, and all of these workshops have been supported by Cork County Council, so they will all be free. But again, if people have a look at our Facebook page or keep up to date with the uh, the website, all the details for those workshops will be on there. Um, and yeah, as I say, the dolls can be made in any way at all. And they just can be sent to the Babog Project here of Court McSherry Community Shop in Court McSherry. Um, and I'll get them and they'll join the rest of the dolls. And we'd be very grateful if you'd like to make one or make a hundred all of it is just as important as, the, as every other doll. Okay, listen, let us know when you're ready to roll around the country with this. I, I want to follow this with uh, such great interest. I think it's just a fantastic, fantastic idea. Congratulations to you for having the foresight uh, to start it. Well done, uh, Laura. Listen, thank you for that. I really enjoyed our chat. And uh, look thank after you. yourself. Keep up the good work. God bless. Thank you very much. Thanks for B- having me. Bye bye. Bye bye. Laura Whalen there joining us from the Babog project. Uh, Laura living in Cork McSherry. 1850 Lines open. Another listener looking for help please. Listener in the Fomoy area. Uh, would any of your listeners know where I can go, where I can buy button nightdresses. I'm assuming nightdresses with buttons going right the way down the middle. It's for my sister who's after having a serious operation and obviously isn't able to put a nightdress on over her head. So a nightdress whereby you can open it, buttons or some kind of fasteners right down the middle. For Moy area, if the system is in for Moy, ideally I like to not have to send people too far away, so ideally as local as possible to for Moy. If anyone's been out shopping lately or you're in a shop listening to us and you sell night dresses with buttons down the middle, can you contact us please? 1850 333 103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest I was on uh, listening to me chatting with Kevin in the last hour from the National Council of the Blind just talking about dog fouling and if you don't clean up after your dog what it means to somebody who's visually uh, impaired uh, Etta herself is visually impaired and she has a guide dog she said I live near Middleton uh, near the town of Middleton she said there are some people walking past my gate and they allow their dog to go to the toilet right outside my gate and because I'm blind I end up standing into it and then one day I was walking downtown with my own guide dog and he went to the toilet in a place that he's not trained to do so those guide dogs are so highly trained anyway I gave out to him and I bent down to pick it up so that nobody else would stand in it when two young teenagers ran up and offered to help and to do it for me which was very good of them you see some people are just so decent and so kind and actually it's the one thing when Kevin said if ever his dog because normally they're trained not to do that when they're out working but obviously if needs must it can happen but uh, he says he will always clean up after his dog and just think about it I mean the way he described if he steps into dog poo and then he goes home and the way he describes having to clean the sole of his shoes and all of us have had to do that at some stage we know what a disgusting job and what a difficult job it can can be but as he said can you imagine doing that with your eyes closed it's just and likewise if their guide dog 
goes to the toilet at a place where they're not meant to do it. Can you imagine trying to do that with your eyes closed, trying to clean up after your own dog? And yet people who are visually impaired managed uh, managed to do it. Yeah, it is absolutely disgraceful, uh, Etta, that, uh, and, and I hope to, uh, and I wonder, I'm, ho- I'm assuming that the people that allow their dogs to go to the toilet right outside your gate don't realise that a visually impaired person lives there, but you, you're never to know. You're never uh, to know. Keep well, uh, Etta. And somebody who signs themselves just as R, says, hi Patricia, I'm English. And just listening to your comments on dog poo. I've been living in Ireland for the past 10 years as my mother was Irish. Anyway, we never had a problem with dog fouling in England as people always cleaned up after their dogs. Here though, it's a very, very different story unfortunately. Dog owners let their dogs mess the pavements and don't clear it away. That gentleman who was visually impaired that you spoke with uh, earlier, uh, speaking about stepping into it and the smell from it. In the United Kingdom, it is illegal. Why is it not illegal here? It's a health hazard for children and the list just goes on. It's great to hear somebody making a public issue about it. Thanking uh, you, it says uh, our... um, It is illegal here. You can be fined, but it's just, as we mentioned, in over 20 years since the legislation has been in place in Cork City, and I know that's just one local authority, they've only handed out four fines because they say it's the enforcement is difficult. It's hard to prove that what dog did it and to to, to issue the fines. But you are right in the United Kingdom. There seems to be much more responsible dog ownership. It's, It's always been a problem here. But it just seems to be getting worse. It's an issue we constantly talk about on the programme. And I certainly think since lockdown, I think it's a problem. I've noticed it. I think it is certainly worse with more people out walking their dogs. And just for whatever reason, they just decide not to clean up after their dogs. I I can never fathom it. I can never understand it uh, for sure. Okay, thank you to people who've responded to the listener who needs to go to Dubai, go back to Dubai, back to work. And she needs to have a COVID-19 negative result before she can travel. And she was wondering where she could get it done locally. Now, somebody messaged me in to say the Afida Clinic in Cork, they do COVID-19 tests. And then John Paul said there was a number of people saying that the Martyr Private Clinic also does COVID-19 testing. So I've passed on that information to the listener who was looking for it. But then William in Formoy says, I had friends who are returning to Dubai and indeed to other countries that require a negative COVID-19 test before they're allowed to travel. From my understanding, says William, they contacted their airline and the airline actually arranged for them to have a test done in Dublin. Oh, that's another one that our listener could try get onto the airline that she is travelling with. And William also was saying that he went clothes shopping and shoes shopping in June. And in both clothes and shoes, he was allowed to try them on. There was no fuss at all. And thank you to, thank you, William, for that. And thank you to a number of people who, that was for our listener who wanted to go shoe shopping. Thank you to a number of people who said that was, and of course we spoke with Phil, Phil Barry of Lions Shoes saying, yes, of course you can try on the shoes. There isn't an issue uh, with it, but they will offer you a pop sock to put, uh, to put on, but they sanitise all the shoes afterwards but actually the listener the original listener who was asking because she needed to buy shoes and didn't know what the procedure was she actually sent back another text just to say thank you to everyone who contacted us to clarify the situation for her and to say she's off out to get her shoes so we hope she gets a really nice pair of shoes and then the listener who is looking for her sister who's had a serious operation and they are she's looking for a nightdress that has buttons down the middle or some you know kind of fasteners down the middle Obviously, whatever kind of an operation she's 
had or is about to have she can't get nitrous on over her head so she wants to be able to put it on like a shirt and just uh, close it up somebody says to try Condon's in Mitchellstown for that nightdress and that's close enough to Fomoy that's Condon's in Mitchellstown somebody reckons they've seen the very nightdresses that the lady is looking for there back on dog fouling somebody says they are here in Drumahan as well a number of people not cleaning up after their dogs all the buggies then are rolled into the pool on the footpath it's disgraceful yeah and you don't realise you've done it and then you can and if you do it close to home and you don't realise you've done it you end up then bringing it all back into the house with you which is pretty pretty disgusting indeed on the wearing of face masks hi, uh, hi Patricia I'm wondering why don't they bring in a policy where shops will refuse to serve a person who is not wearing a mask in a shop they're doing that in some shops in Limerick okay that will be an individual choice though on behalf of each shop owner some shop keepers are asking people please wear your mask. Some shopkeepers are supplying masks if people say, oh, I've forgotten it and and they'll hand one out. But the legislation doesn't allow for a shop owner to enforce it in that, you know, a shop owner can't say, I'm going to fine you because because you don't have a mask on. But yes, it is absolutely within the rights of any business owner to say who comes in and who doesn't come into their shops. So if a business owner wants to take that on board, I don't know if has anybody heard of that happening here in Cork. The sister reckons that some shops in Limerick are actually doing it. They're actually saying to people, I'm not going to serve you. If you don't have a mask on, then you're not allowed in into my uh, shop. I know some of the larger stores have security people standing at the door telling people, please put your mask on and getting people to hand sanitise and obviously the security guard and 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 I'm, I'm assuming that if you don't put your mask on, you don't hand sanitise, they're not going to allow you in. But most of the smaller shops are kind of leaving it up to people themselves in the hope that they will all, people will abide by the rules, will hand sanitise and will put their masks uh, on. Finbar and Skull, this is on Life Jackets when we were talking about the miracle of Galway Bay and those two young paddle boarders yesterday after 15 hours out at sea. Bless their hearts, they're making full recoveries today. Uh, thank God. And it was said that they were both wearing life jackets, which certainly helped. I know they they got onto the boy as well and they hung onto the lobster pots and they stuck, both the two of them together stayed on the paddleboard, which helped as well. And they didn't panic. That seems to be the big one that has saved both their lives. They remained calm, as calm as they they could be, bless their hearts. Uh, But they certainly were wearing life jackets. Finbar says it would also be a big help with life jackets that people put them on. It's a disgrace to think that five out of ten people People do not bother putting them on. I don't know where Finbar is getting that statistic from, but that's if that is true, that is a shocking figure. This is people who have life jackets and only five out of ten decide to put them on. And Michael was listening to my interview earlier with Conor Faulkner saying Conor Faulkner should be on every radio station plus national TV regarding the state of our roads in rural Ireland. It's a result of years of neglect by governments and county councils. Plenty of money could be found for everything else except infrastructure. 
what the hell are our rural Ireland deputies doing? We need less waffle and more substance, says Michael. And actually, we're going to be, because we know when we were talking about the flooding that went on in West Cork the night before last and the damage that it's done on our roads, particularly around the Roscarbury area. Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, actually has spent the morning in Roscarbury and I'll have I'll be talking with her in a couple of minutes and we'll be hearing what uh, some people had to say, some people who were, were left in a really, really dreadful situation because of that awful flooding that Senator Tim Lumbert said to us yesterday. The rain in the area was one of those once in a hundred years kind of thing. So we're going to be catching up with the people of Roscarby and that general area following that flooding yesterday. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Liz Meyer Parish, they're collecting for Cork Penny Dinners this coming Sunday. They're accepting donations of home baking, non-perishable items and cash. And you're please asked to support. Kildowry Development Association are holding their next lotto draw on Thursday next, the 20th of August, four o'clock in the afternoon. It'll be held in the Kildowry Community Office and tickets are on sale in local outlets. And there are a number of bingos going on. Charlotte GAA, they have a drive-in bingo next Sunday. GAA grounds on Baker's Road in Charleville at four o'clock. And of course, it's become a Friday night special. Castletown Bear Development Association have their drive-in bingo every Friday night. They're at the pier in Castletown Bear. They're there again tonight, half past eight. They're advising people to please arrive early. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, as we spoke about yesterday, heavy rain forced a number of West Cork residents from their home, including some elderly people who had been self-isolating to avoid contracting COVID-19. And several roads were left impassable, including the N71 at Roscarbury in Connor and the R597 between Roscarbury and Glendore. Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, spent the morning in the Ross Garbury area and she joins me. Good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now, yesterday we had local Senator Tim Lumbers join us and he said the rain in the area was what he described as a once in a 100 year kind of thing. What did you hear from local residents this morning? Yeah, one of the residents actually described it as like a white water rafting um that kind of a, a an image of that kind of a river running down streets here in Ross Carberry. Now, the main part of Ross Carberry that was hit was down where the junction is to um, Glandor, that uh, little junction there. And a lot of the houses in that area uh, were damaged by flooding. And just up the road a little bit, there's a Lissavard co-op. Um, that area up there was hit as well. They were telling me that there was a river coming down one road, a river coming down another road, and a river coming down another road. They were literally hit on all sides by this torrential rainfall that resulted in a deluge of water coming at them from all directions and there was nothing they could do about it. And um, out the road, as you go out between uh, Ross Carberry to Landor Road from Rowry Bridge, locals would know it, but it's a very popular road as well because it's... um, one of the uh, Wild Atlantic Way roads, so it's used by a lot of tourists. And indeed, I saw a Galway car pass me when I was on that road. 
And it's closed at the minute because the road right now is just like there's craters in it, the holes are so big and the sides of the road are completely gone. And what Lucas told me was that road had been resurfaced uh, only last year. Oh. And it just looks like the entire surface was washed away by the river as it ran down the, the road. Um, and they have said to me that, uh, like I spoke to one man who has been living in that area for 30 years, and he said he has never seen anything like it before. And um, like I was trying to figure out why you know, we, they said that it was about five hours of torrential rainfall, which just came running down from a lot of those hilly areas. But um, in around that junction there between uh, Ross Carberry and Glandor, um, you know, there's a little stream that runs along there. But one of the locals said to me that he thinks that there's a lot of sludge and weeds in that and that it needs to be cleaned out in order to prevent uh, an occurrence like this from happening again. Um, so... It definitely was a once in a, it was a freak flood that happened here, um, partly because, I suppose, of the heavy torrential rainfall. But some locals believe that if that little stream there in that area hadn't been so filled with sludge and weeds, it mightn't have been as bad as what it was yesterday. And of course, it happened in the very small hours of the morning. I think it was between half two and half four was the real deluge. That's right, yeah. Um, everybody was in their beds asleep. Uh, one man who didn't want to talk to me on tape said he thought it was his, he heard a trickle of water and he thought it was his daughter going getting up and going to the toilet. And um, the next thing then, he heard a shout and it was one of his family members had seen the water coming in the door. And at that stage, there wasn't really a whole pile that they could do because it was already coming in. And they said to me that uh, there was like four feet of water in some of the houses. Oh my goodness. And, yeah, you can even see now um, in the aftermath, you know, all the water has uh, receded from here now and you can see the line on walls of where the flood reached and, you know, I suppose with any flood, if you've experienced it, you'll have seen like all that brown sludge, um, mud like material and it's all over the place here. And the council are here at the minute and they're they're cleaning and um, the, the repairs to that road in particular. And I think um, there's a couple of other roads um, off that as well um, that, you know, there's millions and millions of euro worth of damage done to those roads. Now, the council have said it's too early to assess the total cost of that damage. But, um, you know, the roads are in a very, very bad state of repair. I did speak to some locals who live in those areas, I spoke to a Dennis O'Donovan who lived at the top of the hill after Rowry Bridge, and I spoke to Mary Hayes who lived at the bottom of that hill, and they both said that you know people with a car are not able to drive on that road at okay. the minute, so they have to kind of go around now on a detour, which is going to add twenty minutes to their oh journey. Oh my goodness! Let's let's hear yeah. from both of those, starting with um, Dennis O'Donovan, and Dennis is specifically talking about that road that you are talking about between Roscarbury and Glendore from Rowley Bridge. Here's what Dennis uh, had to say to Fiona earlier. Yeah, pretty horrendous. Um, I suppose it made it in a rain over a short amount of time on. Uh, what night was it? The night before last. Um, and just the roads are in an awful state. The road now is closed between Ross Carby and Glendore um, at a, between, after the junction of Rowry Bridge. So the, all the traffic now has to be diverted to get to Glendore and vice versa. Coming from Glendore have to be diverted around here, uh, adding about four, um, between 15 and 20 minutes extra travelling time in both directions. The roads are all dug up, just the water came out um, of the gullies down the road and tore all the roads. 
um, huge craters in the middle of the road you just about get up and down in a jeep uh, cars would be getting stuck in it um, so yeah pretty 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 devastated now with the cut of the place so what kind of an impact is that going to have on locals here Huge impact. Uh, we're dairy farmers on top of the hill, so the milk lorry now has to do a round journey to get uh, to have our milk collected. Uh, the same with any of our input feeds, fertilizer, all those. Those guys now are going to have to, the local co-op supplies us, so they'll have to do a round journey to get into us. Um, postman, just small things, uh, has to do a, a big detour around to get from one side now of Rory Hill to the other. Um, we just met one of the local guys here who was involved in the Coast Guard in Glendore. They uh, attended a, an incident in Ross Carberry at the weekend. He said if it happened now, it would add another 15, 20 minutes for them to get to where they needed to go that day because the road is now shut. So everyday life is affected. Um, I suppose your, your heart would really go to the, the, the people of Glendore, the, the local businesses there. Uh, the season is short enough as it is, and uh, now the road is closed, so it must be pretty devastating for those guys as well. This is the Wild Atlantic Way. We're on the main Wild Atlantic Way route from Roscarbor to Glendore. Uh, very busy this time of the year, lots of tourists, camper vans, etc. Um, so yeah, they're all going to have to do a detour. Um, and you know a lot of those guys might, will probably just avoid the area instead of, of coming to see the, the, the beautiful area that we do live in Obviously there's a lot of work now to fix this road and it's going to take quite some time, what would it be your call to the County Council now? I suppose the main call would be to come and do it uh, as quickly as possible but to do a real good job um, I'm living here all my life and I've seen this hill torn like this maybe three times now in my lifetime um, I think the engineers really do need to get 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 going right and do a proper job with proper concrete channels uh, bigger channels taking the water from one side of the road to the other in a couple of places where the water does cross uh, maybe they might listen to the local people that have the local knowledge uh, uh, of, of how much water does come when it does make a lot of rain and where that water actually needs to go instead of the engineers doing uh, a book exercise uh, is what I would call it and they think everything will be grand um, but it, it, it is not grand when the big floods of water come You can't beat local knowledge for sure That road's going to be closed for quite some time Fiona, is it? Oh yeah, um, you know I went up to have a look at it there and it needs a lot of work and it's going to take a long time and there isn't, hasn't been any confirmation yet as to how long it's going to be closed for but locals like Mary Hayes are saying that they need this road fixed as soon as possible because you know they have to be able to get in and out and as you heard there in Dennis's uh, piece even with the likes of the Coast Guard they're saying that it's going to take another extra 15-20 minutes if they need to get to the an incident outside of Glandor. So it's um, really important that they do get this road open as soon as possible. We just don't know at this stage when that's going to be or how long it's going to take. But I sent on JP some of the photographs that I took of that road and you'll see for yourself, and I think you put them up online and on social media. It's just, it's the shocking. road has just literally crumbled away. Uh, and uh, Mary Hayes, who lives on that road, um, she had to take a shovel out. Here's what Mary had to say. Well, I just couldn't get out. I couldn't go south the road. I couldn't go up towards Glendore. I couldn't go over to Rascarbury. So eventually, about half ten, the water was kind of receding and I decided I'd start clearing the road myself and a neighbour came and gave me a hand with it. And about eventually, about 11 o'clock, I was able to get out to work because I'm a home help and there's people there that, that need us. So what did you have to do? You had to shovel up? We had to shovel a bit of gravel and thing out of the way, like, but what about it? So now, I mean, the road is 
it's in a pretty bad state, but you're able to get in and out. I am, yeah, but just be very careful, like. But um, I have another client in the, at the end of the other road, and it was like the rocky road to Dublin yesterday going over there with water coming towards me and everything. So, like, what you'd obviously want to get this road fixed. Oh, God, yes. I was, yeah, I was on to Paul Hayes last night, and he's absolutely fantastic, Paul. And he said, like, it will be sorted. But when? Because we were told just by one engineer that we were uh, down in the list, down the bottom of the list, we're not a priority case. But, like, we're always... We're always neglected. This road was only resurfaced last year and I think it shouldn't have been like this again. You can see the places, the tarmac, everything is lifting. If that was done properly, I am sorry to say it, but if it was, I don't think this would have happened today. Because Mary Hayes went out with her shovel and I saw the state of that road. I'm amazed that she was even able to drive on it uh, at all. And then houses that were flooded, um, Fiona, it's always so difficult to go in and talk to anyone whose house has been flooded, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, a few people um, didn't really want to talk to me on tape this morning. You know, they were very upset and very annoyed, and that's understandable, you know. Um, But I did speak to one man, Michael O'Brien, and he told me about what happened when he woke up on yesterday morning and found, um, you know, water coming in his front door and into his living room and kitchen. It was a kind of a a bush thing, like, I suppose, you know. Uh, it overflowed the river up the banks there and came out over the wall there and came into me anyway was destroyed a couple of feet of water inside here and it went under the timber floor and out into the kitchen and there was a couple of feet of water outside in the kitchen so I gave the night bucketing out water and uh, it was coming in over the sandbags even so it was fairly high and had you been asleep at the time? I was. You just woke up and saw Walk up and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, bad, pretty bad, yeah. You pretty bad. Yeah, how much damage was caused to your house? Oh, God, yeah. A lot. Well, that must come up anyway. The floor must come up. Probably, the, I don't know, the kitchen outside, that'll have to go, I'd say. Uh, because the water is, the water is still underneath that, like the floor so it's a, a wreck everything you'll have to be take note again dug up and uh, we'll see yeah we'll see what they'll do after that yeah I don't know how long have you lived here huh how long have you lived here 30 years have you ever seen anything like this no before? never before never before so it was the worst ever, I'd say. Yeah, I never see it coming out over the wall there now, the river. Yeah, mm. it was pouring out there, so it's um, it was bad, it was scary, it was scary. Yeah, so that's it. Uh, now, whatever we'll do after now, I don't know. Are you able to live here at the minute? Uh, I am. Yeah, I am on my own. I am on my own. Um, as I buried my wife there a couple of months ago. Oh, so, God, I'm very sorry. Yeah, so uh, I'm on my own here now. Have you got anyone to help you? Huh? Have you got anyone to help you? I have, I have. There was a couple of neighbours came in there and they mopped up the place. That was, that was covered with muck. You know, a black thing that was washed in over it and, and uh, they cleaned it all up for me in fairness. Like, they gave me a hand. And uh, it was, they were very good. They were very good. Yeah, very good. So.
Oh my God, that's heartbreaking. That poor man. Yeah. Oh, and he on his own because I was I was waiting to say please say he's got family living with him and then to hear he's just buried his wife. God help him. God, that's and tough. And he has now. He has neighbours, and um, you know, they, I suppose they've all had their own houses flooded as well. But he said that they have been very good, and they have been keeping an eye on him and coming in. So, um, but it is. It's very sad. Imagine waking up on your own at half five in the morning and seeing your house underwater. You know, it's just uh, yeah. And to even hear hear him say how scary it was. You know, know God, it'll frighten the life out of you. The poor man. The poor man. Okay, listen. We're thinking of all of the people in uh, West Cork. Uh, today it's it's been a real real uh, shock uh, to them and Fiona thank you Thank for you. heading down to Ross Garvey for us. Thanks for that. That is uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter from those devastating floods in Ross Garvey. Just a couple of texts that I want to reference. Somebody has said that the COVID testing centre at the race course in Mallow is stopped. And wants to know where's the nearest testing centre now for the people of, of uh, Mallow and North Cork. I'm, well, I'm assuming you will have to, the city is where we'll have to go. I, I'm trying to find out though, when did testing stop at the race course? I'm always making the point that maybe it's because racing is back. Is that why the test, even though racing is back, but not for members of the public. Anyway, that we're, we're trying to look into it. We're trying to find out for sure. But a listener reckons that the COVID test centre at the race course in Mallow is now closed. We're trying to get confirmation because we haven't had any confirmation on at that. Hi Patricia, I'm just wondering, social welfare payments, are they still being doubly paid? They are. They are and they're not. There was some payments reverted to weekly payments like illness benefit, job seekers allowance, job seekers benefit, working parent allowance, back to work enterprise. They all went out weekly. But then the bulk of them are still paid fortnightly, like your carer's allowance, your disability allowance, your uh, any of the state pensions, both contributory and non-contributory, the widow's pension, the part-time job incentive, they've all remained. The bulk have remained fortnightly, but just some from last week went a weekly. If you're unsure of your own payment, just check at your local post office. And on post office this morning, Patricia, I'm a bit confused here this morning. I've just been to the post office in Mallow and a lady told me I didn't have to wear a mask going into the post office at the bank. Can you please clarify this for me, thanking you, a Mallow listener? Yes, we discovered actually on Monday when we were talking about the mandatory nature of the wearing of face masks going going into all retail outlets. It's everyone except banks, post offices and credit unions and it's to do with the security aspect of financial institutions. That's not to say that you can't wear a mask going into the bank, the post office or the credit union and then we heard of some banks have signs up saying to people please wear a mask. So it seems to be the individual branch and I'm assuming it'll be the same with the post office and with the credit union. I certainly was in my local post office and I had a mask on I did notice the person in front of me didn't and the person behind me did. So it's it's an individual choice. But if you're in any of those financial institutions, they can ask you to remove the mask. Obviously, if they're trying to identify you or if for whatever security reasons they don't want you wearing a mask, they can ask you to to remove them. But yes, the person who gave you that information is correct. You do not buy the law that came in on the wearing of masks in retail outlets. You do not have to wear it in a post office, a bank or a credit union. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And thank you to Margaret who has confirmed that yes indeed the COVID-19 test centre at Mallow Race Course 
is closed and how she knows a friend of hers had to go for a test, wanted to go to the Mallow Test Centre to be told it's closed and the nearest test centre for people in the North Cork uh, region is in Blackpool. I'm unsure where but it is in uh, Blackpool so thank you for that uh, Margaret. Now lots of people who are regular bingo players have really missed bingo. Bingo was one of the things that uh, closed down, actually closed during the first phase of a lockdown and many people go to bingo because they see it as from, from a social point of view and people really missed just playing the game of bingo. So we have seen in the last number of weeks, we have seen drive-in bingos, which seems to be working quite well for, for some people. But then we've discovered that Cove GAA, they have decided to put their bingo and they've decided to go online with us. I'm joined by John Spriggs, who is the Cove GAA chairman. And I believe he's the face of the bingo online in Cove. Uh, Good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now, Cove GAA, you ran, you used to have a weekly bingo, did you? So, uh, bingo's been taking place in the hall every Sunday night for the last 35 years. And it's a vital part of our uh, fundraising efforts. So between Bingo and the Club Lotto, they're two of our major revenue streams. And I suppose when the COVID-19 lockdown happened, that put pay to all those activities. So Bingo closed, the Lotto closed, Bar closed, everything closed, and there was no revenue coming in. So I suppose um, it's very important for COVID-19 to keep going with revenue collection because the bills don't stop and uh, we still have to pay our bank loans and all that. So we got a call from um, an outfit in Dublin, Let's Play Bingo, who had been providing bingo books to us over the last number of years. And they offered us um, an online option. Okay. So they supply um, a random number generator and they supply PDF copies of the bingo sheets. So it's played over um, the Zoom app. So... Um, people need to um, have the Zoom app installed on their on their device, on their phone or their laptop. Which has become and very popular with so many people. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So yeah. everybody has, has developed new methods of communication yeah. over the last while. And it's become quite a sensation in the community. So we pride ourselves as being a very uh, community-focused club. And um, our hall is in use. Um, when, when we don't have restrictions, the hall is in use every night for different aspects of the of the community. So between dance and bowls, taekwondo and all that kind of stuff happens in the club. And um we make a marginal amount of money off of that. But the major the major revenue streams coming in are the bingo and the club lotto. So how so so, so explain how once somebody has Zoom and are able to link in through Zoom. How do they how do they pay for their bingo book? How do they get their bingo book? How does all that work? So we've 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 tied up with a Club Force. So Club Force are uh, an organization that take in they're a bit like Ticketmaster. Okay. They'll take in tickets, they'll sell events, they'll take in memberships and all that. So we already had Club Force to to um to look after our membership. And they now uh, have a system where they can offer the sheets for sale. So um, people need to log on to uh, the Cove GA Bingo Social and Community Facebook page, and it's all um, explained in the uh, Facebook page as to how we can do it. 
Um, they could also email covegabingo at gmail.com and Lorraine Ryan, one of our um, bingo committee, answers everybody um, so that she'll explain how it's done. But basically, they, they, we, we play a three-game um, night. It's okay. 250 for three games. 250, uh, 250 for three games, okay. 250 for three games. Yeah. It takes typically an hour and five minutes. Right. So um, it's quite a, a reduced number of games compared to what we play in the hall. So in the hall, we play 13 games. Yeah. And this is a, this is a, a three-game bingo. So what we do is we have an explanation at the start as to how, how we play. We um, cut then after the first game and we go into some, some um, video footage of local um, events um, lo- our, our own local club members in action, and we um, we allow that that allows people to take the break during the bingo, yeah. and they can go off and make a cup of tea or have a Coca Cola or whatever they want to do, and <laughs> or something they can stronger. For the second game. <laughs> and, and you you and just uh, I can win money, can I if I play? You can win money. You can. So we play for a single line for twenty euros. We have um, two lines in the same panel for twenty euros. Uh, the first game is uh, the first house is fifty euros, and the second and third game, the house is one hundred euros. And if we divide in, in in the third game, if we have more than one winner, we divide two hundred euros between the number of winners. So it's 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 uh, you're you're not going to go on a foreign foreign holiday on the money, but it's actually it, it's the it's the interaction with other people. So. We can see on the Zoom platform, the people playing can see each other. Yeah. They can hear each other, so they can see and hear their friends. We have people in in, in, in the community, they, they actually play on the streets. So uh, in three locations in, in, in the town, every Sunday night, they sit out on their deck chairs out on the road and they play. So they Isn't play that fabulous? Park. That is fabulous. Yeah, they play in Inishmore Park, Woodside and the Spires. So they're great and they have, they have good fun. And... Um, they're just part of. Um, of, of the, we 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 have adopted a slogan um, within Cove GA Club is to uh, hashtag play your part, and they are playing their part for Cove GA Club by well ensuring that we have the revenue to come. Well done, and and you're thinking outside the box as well. It's a way of fundraising. It's a way of getting some funds in, but it's also a way of reaching out to the community. And of course, it it struck me then while you know typically the weekly bingo that you would have in the hall for the last 35 years, that's for local people. The fact it's online, I could be anywhere in the world and play bingo in Cove. That's right. We've had we've had winners from outside of Cove. We've had a winner from in Tampa in Florida. <laughs> so it's a, a, a girl that uh, is now living in Tampa and she signed up to do the bingo and she plays the bingo every week. <laughs> so she won 100 euros one week. And um, we also have players in Belgium so we have it, they're, they're generally local interests there's a, a, a local connection but they, they play from Belgium and then we have people playing in Formoy Whitegate we have people playing in uh, from from um, County Mead every, every week we seem to have a different um, a, um, a different number of people playing and they, they interact with us they chat on the on the Zoom app so they can send in messages we call out birthdays, we call out anniversaries and all that kind of stuff. And generally, it's an hour and five minutes on a Sunday night from eight to five past nine. That um, anybody can play. Um, there's no, um, you, you don't have to be technically brilliant at numbers. 
it's just a matter of marking off the sheet. Well done. And well done. It's families are playing, so that's that's great um, to have them. And it's you know, it's terrific. And time. and as I mentioned at the outset, you're the face of the bingo. And um, I'm told, do you do it in top hat and tails? I I do. I do. Um, <laughs> I suppose we tried to be as professional as we could, and um, because um, because it was it was it was a new uh, a new thing. I don't play top hat and tails in in the club, but I uh, actually online. Yes, I have a top hat, <laughs> a top hat and dress suit top for the for the first game. <laughs> I have a glitter uh, costume for the second game, and generally by the time I'm finished the second game, I'm down to my shirt because um, between the heat and the blood pressure um, (laughs) You sound like a man with style for sure Listen John it was a pleasure to talk to you and as you say people can find out more by going on to the Cove GAA uh, Facebook page We wish you good luck with it It's a great initiative uh, and well done to all involved Thank you for that. Thanks for joining us. Uh, John Spriggs, Cove GAA Chairman. And thank you to Nora, the lady looking for the night dresses, the exact one she described. They're available in Shaw's in Formoy and that lady was from Formoy so that's even closer. Thank you for that, Nora. Okay, that's where we wrap it up for today and indeed uh, for this week. My thanks to Sadie and John Paul for taking all your calls. We are back with you on Monday morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon until Monday at 10. I'm Patricia Messenger. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other's and more than more than ever stay safe. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.